0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by FitStairs, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings.
1: Good evening and thank you for listening to episode 82 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name is Sam Cunningham and it's Friday the 9th of June. As I'm sure you're all aware, Royal Ascot 2023 is around the corner. So in this Ascot preview edition, we'll be looking at Hong Sprinter, Wellington and Australian sprinters Cool and and Altorius. As well as Sir Michael Stout's Ascot hopes for 2022 Derby winner Desert Crown and Baybridge after some impressive work this week. As well as the news broken on this morning's podcast that Frankie Dettori will be replacing Richard Kingscott aboard Desert Crown. We'll also be touching on a few other horses to keep your eye on at Ascot. One horse in with a real chance in the newly named Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes on the Saturday at Royal Ascot is Hong Kong Raider Wellington. Earlier this week, Charlotte Greenway spoke with his trainer Richard Gibson about his plans for himself, his horse and Ascot following his announcement that he would not be extending his trainer's license beyond this season in Hong Kong.
2: Business as usual. We're in uh, full prep with Wellington at the moment. Um, uh, We're very much doing the right thing by the horse. He uh, was always our idea at the beginning of the year if he was in good nick to go for this race. Uh, We've just recently confirmed the jockey booking of of Ryan Moore, which has has given the the team some, some good morale. And the horse will trial uh, here in Hong Kong on Tuesday, just an easy trial, and then um, you know we head on uh, seven days out, Priyaska.
0: And you confident heading over or hopeful?
2: You know my horse uh, has clocked throughout his career a very good twelve hundred meter times. is uh, is uh, he, still a very good horse. The, the only horse that could could beat him consistently here. Uh, Winfred uh our CEO describes as the best sprint in the world so if if we're only a a length uh, behind the best sprint in the world um
1: you know I would hope we'd be uh, competitive at Ron Ascot. Did it ever cross your mind to give him an entry in the five furlong race as well obviously it's a stiff six at Ascot.
2: That's that's more of an Australian speciality than a um uh, (laughs) I, 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 I know my horse and uh I, I think the fire would be a bit sharp for him and, and uh, I expect in you know, his group one winner over 14 and uh, that the Ascot 12 should should suit
1: And then it was on to a few more Australian sprinters as Nick was joined by James McDonald and asked not if but how much he's looking forward to Royal Ascot this year as he discussed Cool and Altorius Yeah for sure it's
3: one of the best carnivals anywhere around the world and it's the one I'd really want to pence win most years and if, if i can any any year but um yeah really looking forward to, it, especially after having a little bit of luck last year um hopefully we can have a little bit this year and um, boot over a winner or two
0: all right so the big aussie hopes this year okay there isn't a horse with the profile of nature strip but cool and gatta heads the market now she did a bit of work last week that people weren't that impressed with is that anything we need to worry about or not really
3: um oh, look we will we, i've just seen her do it a a tad more but in saying that they run extremely fast time um a lot faster than what we probably anticipated in that particular heat and um she had a a really good blow afterwards um her form lines are pretty good and um especially especially drawing a line through nature strip last year um obviously he was a, a bit of a wrecking ball up there and she wasn't. She, she's an up-and-coming sprinter, so we're looking forward to producing her up the five furlongs, and I think it'll be really tailor-made for her. But, um, yeah, well, look, I think she's trained by a very good trainer, and I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't be hopping on the plane if they weren't confident.
0: Uh, and is she one that you can just let rip, or do you, do you have to hold on given that, that stiff finish?
3: No, she's very controllable for a a five furlong sprinter. Um she can she can sit up anywhere, um take a lead, sit right on on speed, so she's very tractable, um, very economical sort of filly who who wears a hard-on her sleeve and she'll give a give her all. So yeah, yeah she's pretty self-explanatory and um I, I, I think um nothing really really fazes her. She'll be a little bit um hypo in the in the parade ring probably Fishy with the big crowd, but in saying that once she gets on the track, she's a she's a darling to ride.
0: And looking at, at Artorias, he he's a horse who was making his own bad luck a lot last year. But talking to the the trainers, that seem to think that that he's he's kind of grown up a little bit. Is that the way it looks to you?
3: Yeah, for sure. You're spot on, and, and his his form suggests that as well. His form, his last two runs here in Australia were sensational. Um, obviously not far behind um, Animo in a 1,500-metre race, and then she, he, he knocked off a very good sprinter over 1,300 at Royal Randwick, which was a sensational win, and he's in career-best form. He looks great. He's feeling fantastic, and um, I think he's in better form coming up this year than he did last year, and he ran extremely well. So we're very optimistic that he run extremely well.
1: In 2021, Subjectivist won the year's Gold Cup at Ascot, however, broke down after that race and his career looked set to finish with a possible stud career on the horizon. At the time, Jim Walker suggested a possible return to track in 2022. However, this didn't come to pass and he instead came back in early 2023 in Saudi Arabia and then Dubai, where he finished an excellent third in the Dubai World Cup. Now, eyes are on him to see if his Ascot return will see him regain the Gold Cup he won so brilliantly before. Nick sat down with Jim Walker to find out his hopes and predictions for subjectivists at this year's meet.
4: Obviously very special to to the Johnson team and to me, particularly to me. But uh, we really just had to give it another go and see whether or not he could come back from the injury. And The two runs this year have proven that he can um, how many runs we get out of him going forward? There's still a question mark, but uh, he's uh, he's in good form and he's uh, he's bang there. And uh, I mean, uh, it's really just a a question of uh, can he retain the uh, a wee bit of that old ability and the Dubai ability over two miles, four furlongs? Still a big ask again for him. Um, and the fingers are well and truly crossed, but. Uh, Uh, I don't think I would be that afraid of anything else in the race at the moment that's uh, left in at this stage.
1: Broken on the podcast this morning was the news that Frankie Dettori would be replacing Richard Kingscote on board Desert Crown. Saeed Sahel's racing manager, Bruce Raymond, explained the decision to Nick earlier.
5: Well, he he just feels that for, for, for him, the Desert Crown, winning this race is all important. And he just feels that while Frankie's around... Because he's not going to be around next year, um, he wants to give give the horse every chance, and he believes that um, Frankie is unbeatable around Ascot, and uh, that's why he's just obviously just jogged him off for this time. And it's it's no disgrace for uh, for Richard at all.
1: Nick caught up with Sir Michael Starts assistant trainer James Savage to see what he thought of their two Ascot hopefuls, Desert Crown and Baybridge.
5: Desert Crown did what we would be doing with all our Ascot horses yesterday. Nick, he just did a he did a, a loosen up as we call it. Worked, you know, six one and a half, and it was it was just um, to put him where we want him for for next week to um you, you know to do some stronger work. It was there was nothing that we needed. There was nothing there that we needed to see. It was just nice work, and he uh, he moved well, and Ryan was happy with him. Uh, he, yeah, just running the mill stuff really to get to where we're. Where we need to be for next week. Uh,
0: to your eye, has he has he tightened done well since sandown?
5: Yeah, he was entitled to tighten up. You know, it's been such a long time before since he ran. There was a year, a year less a week, I think, almost. Um, so he he was entitled to to need the run and um, and he's tightened up well. Um, physically, he's a lot tighter. So it, it, the the um, the race. Sandown served its purpose and we were all very happy with, the, with, his, with his run I mean I think you can't underestimate Hockham, he seems to be getting faster he's going to be a top class horse at 10 and 12 I think you know the, the fractions they went early at Sandown and then the way our boy quickened to get to the front and go clear was very was impressive if you know if you understand horse racing um, obviously it's a disappointment in the feet, but when you look back at the race you can only be happy with the way he ran
0: um, Sir Michael might end up having to run Bay Bridge and Desert Crown in the same race in the Prince of Wales's. I guess if, if if all the connections fancy it. Um, what did you make of Bay Bridge's run at uh, at the Curra, And do you think he'll he'll settle even better next time?
5: I'm sure he'll settle even better. The, the step forward he took from France. France, he was nothing went right in France, and even even in the prelims. I said to Sir Michael, you know, he was so just so buzzed and fresh and. He was kept really calm in the the currer and he was very quiet and easy to deal with earlier and he just settled so much better. But when you look back at the race, Ryan had it so easy on the front. I mean, he gave it a really good ride. and We were out, even if we were out half a furlong earlier, which would have been nice, that horse just was quickening right through the line. I think Luxembourg is, you, you know, He's, he, he might have his critics when he gets beat in his first run of the year, but he's a very, very good horse, and he's proven that on many occasions now. So we were happy with Bay Bridge. I mean, it didn't go perfect for us. Let's be honest, and we needed we, we probably needed more end-to-end gallop. But um, it's just such a high-class division this year. That ten furlong mm. that furlong division. It's going to be so hard. And I sort of said to the guys that. All these horses are probably going to take their turn, very much like in a sprinting division.
0: If if they both ran at Ascot, Baybridge and Desert Crown, um, and you were the man charged with riding either one or the other, with and the ground the ground was the ground was on the quicker side of good. Say the forecast carries on as is at the moment. Who would you ride?
5: If I the ground was on, if the ground was good to firm genuine ascot good to firm i would probably side with as a crown if the ground was good i would go with i might be swayed either way
1: one of the big races to keep your eye on at this year's ascot is the coronation stakes as the guineas 1-2 marge and tahira are set for a rematch marge's trainer is saeed bin saru so nick checked in with him to see how she was getting on this week
6: she doing well i mean she worked five days ago the last piece of work for her and she, look, uh, she's come back from uh, from the race, really, in good condition. Thus, we uh, give her a break after the race, just, she missed um, uh, Irish guillage, I was the plan before, really. Then, um, she's doing well, she's in good form, and now we're looking uh, to run her at right Ascot.
0: So, well, you were never really tempted to run her in Ireland, then?
6: Well, I mean, it was obviously but, like, I mean, what I like to do with her, because she's tiny and skinny, thinning. You know, you uh, give her a break between races and uh, it was too close, too short, too close to, to, to Irish races. Then um, we thought maybe um, uh, the Ascot um, the race is going to be uh, easy. I mean, uh, shoot her better than we ran in Ireland.
0: You say she's, she's small, small she is, but she's very, very tough. Uh, did she Did she take the race well? Did she take the Guineas well?
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is what she do, we do with her after every race. Even when um, she won last year here in, in England, uh, we her breaks even in Dubai, we do the same with her. Then we, try, we give her, from, uh, when she won the Jumeirah race in the Guinness, we give her a, a big uh, gap between the races, then we bring her straight to the Guineas. That's how she lost, you know, because she's tiny. Sometimes she lost some weight. Then you have to look after her, give her time to recover from the racing.
1: For owners and trainers alike, the journey to Ascot is one full of hard work and high levels of anticipation. Nick spoke to Coltrane owner Mick Mariscotti about how he's feeling ahead of Coltrane going for the Gold Cup.
4: Uh, well, it's quite scary, really. It's it's new territory for us. We we run in Group One races, but we've never won a Group One race. Um, and likewise for Coltrane, he's he's. Probably the, the form horse in the race based on his last uh, 12 months performance, um, but he hasn't done it at Group 1 level and there are other horses in the race who have. So it's, uh, it, it's lovely to be there, um, but it's a bit daunting to be,
0: um, be favourite. It's quite difficult to know exactly what to make of his win in the in the Key Ascot Trial for this the the, the Cigarro Stakes because you can interpret the form in lots of different ways. Do you and and, and Andrew Balding, the trainer, believe that it it was a, a sign of of improvement during the close season?
4: Um, Yes. I mean, our expectations going into that race is that he would show that he needed the run and would in fact need another run before the Gold Cup. So it was a surprise to us, a pleasant surprise to us, uh, that he performed so well. but it was the Cigarro. It's not the same as, uh, as the Gold Cup. Um, but it proves he likes the course. I mean, he's, he's, uh, his record on the course is two out of three, and he's won over the distance, albeit in a handicap. So, um, so it gave us a lot of confidence, and it gave us enough confidence to, to feel he didn't need another run um, before the Gold Cup.
1: And finally, we move on to the subject of not only the running of the horses, but also the security measures in place to ensure a safe, successful and enjoyable Royal Ascot 2023. As Nick spoke to Nick Smith, Director of Racing and Public Affairs, to ask him to what extent, given what we've seen this year, there is a heightened sense of vigilance.
7: It's obviously been a a high profile event, Um, members of the Royal Family in attendance. And and from one year to another, there there seems to be something that is is on the the public and and, uh, security safety radar um, but of course this year we have the specific threat of um, of, of uh, animal rising and, and similar protests and, and of course we're making preparations and, and thinking through our plans um, uh, with regard to that and we all have tried and tested methods in place of course security is heightened uh, according to any Particular threat or any particular uh, group that you might be focusing on, but uh, you know you can't you can't uh, guarantee avoiding it. Um, you can only hope and uh, and prepare for, um, for, the, for for what might come. And in Epsom's case, they they had enough security to quell that. Um, tracking in in Beijing very very quickly Um, and the race was run, um, a brilliant winner was seen and everyone moved on
0: Infrastructurally we talked a lot about the Grand National and a huge site there, Epsom a big area of common land, infrastructure wise, is Ascot actually quite a hard place to breach like that?
7: Well, there's lots of parking in the centre of the course. Everybody knows that, and uh, you know it's a, it's a huge size. I think ultimately, w- with all of these major venues, I mean, even look at the Chelsea Flower Show with the ju- just Stop oil protests. I mean, they look at the Crucible Theatre. You know, every everyone is is potentially evicted into protest, and and I don't think you can ever 100 ring fence any venue. So uh, they all have their individualities, their quirks, um, and you just have to work around. You know, wh- whichever whatever. City you're presented with really
1: that is all from us today at the nick luck daily podcast we hope you all have a lovely weekend and hope to see you back here on monday if you find a moment over the weekend to leave us a little review that would be really helpful and appreciated thank you
0: you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares